Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Guess what? Father's Day rolling up soon. So if you're looking for a Father's Day gift, hey, we've got it at greatdaysoutdoors.com. All you have to do is head on over to greatdaysoutdoor.com and check out the best gifts for the outdoorsman in 2021. We've curated a bunch of unique ideas to help you find an awesome gift for the outdoorsman on your list. Just head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash best gifts for outdoorsmen to check it out. I'm your host, Brian Sin. Hope you guys are having a wonderful week. Man, it's been just a mix of dang weather, hasn't it? I mean, we get big rains, and then, you know, it's continued to rain through the week. Different fronts have come through. It's cooled back off a little bit now. So it's a crazy time here in Alabama. Uh, it's definitely affected the fish. Still getting some good reports, but but also getting some not so good reports uh, from some guys right now, and that's you know that's what this podcast is about, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. So I think that these fronts have affected the fishing for sure. But one thing we know is we wait a day and the weather will change. A new front will come through and the fish will be back on. So that's the exciting thing about being here in Alabama and having all the, the great fisheries that we have. But today on the podcast, we are going to have the Management Minute with Norman Latona from Southeastern Pond Management. Glad to have you on, Norman. How are you doing, brother? Go, going great. Everything's going great, Brian. We're Busy, busy. This is our busy time of the year, but I'm happy to spend spend a few minutes with you. Well, I appreciate that, man. I know our listeners appreciate it. And, and because our listeners appreciate it, we're going to do something a little different today. You know, normally what we do is we have a topic. We come on and we discuss very thoroughly and uh, try to hit every asset, every point that we can on that topic. But we've got questions coming in, and, and I love that. Our, our listeners are emailing us questions. And so today what I'd love to do is I'd love to take, you know, several of these questions and kind of walk through them and discuss them and uh, get your feedback on them because that's why people have reached out. They want to know the answers to these things, and you're the guy that can answer them. So I think this will be a good setup, a good format. We haven't done this before, but but I expect it to go good. So I appreciate you being on again, Norman. Absolutely, look forward to it. Yep. Now before we get started, you had a you had a big weekend last weekend, didn't you? Didn't y'all have a uh, you hosted a big deal for the wrestling team there at Thompson, right? We did. We we. <laughs> We, this thing's grown and grown every year. We, we call it a crawfish boil, and certainly we cook lots and lots of crawfish. They cook 1,500 pounds of them this Saturday, but there's lots of other food and live music and turned into a big deal. I think we had seven or 800 people out Saturday throughout the course of the day and just had a, had a big time, had fantastic weather. Talk about weather earlier, like, like you said, it's, you don't like it today just wait till tomorrow right this time of the year around here but uh fortunately we had great weather and had a great time and raised a little money for for the wrestling club there and uh, help out a lot of those kids and so yeah i appreciate you asking about it it was it was a good time well it sounds like y'all had a great turnout man and that's a, that's an awesome deal that you do and you're very involved with the wrestling and and i'm sure they appreciate you but let's get to let's get to the questions 
So the first question that we have today is from Tim in Wetonka. And Tim wants to know, why are all the bass in my pond small? I'm sure this is a question you probably get a lot. Sure it is. And uh, so, you know, I would say, assuming that the lake is more than just a year or two old, obviously young, newly stocked lakes, uh, that would be an obvious answer. The fish are just small because they're not very mature. But uh, I'm assuming what he's referring to is, this pond is, is several years old, and the majority of the bass that he catches are still very small. And uh, we run into that a lot. And it's, it's what we refer to as bass crowded or, or predator crowded. And, and, and what happens is the bass multiply every year. They spawn, reproduce, and a new crop of bass comes off and just adds to the number. And these things grow uh, fairly well up to, you know, six, eight, ten inches in size. Uh, typically, these ponds are full of uh, large adult bluegill, and these large adult bluegill spawn like crazy and provide a ample food supply for the for the young bass, the young fry and juvenile bass. They're eating all these bluegill fry, and they get up to six or eight or ten inches in length, where they really need to transition to a larger forage item to continue to grow. And uh, in, in so many cases, in these bass crowded lakes, there's so many mouths swimming around eating all the time that they eliminate most of the forage by the time it gets up to an inch or, or so long. So there's not much for them to eat. They find themselves in a situation where forage is very limited. They're forced kind of to eat small stuff which isn't doing them a whole heck of a lot of good. Whereas when they're two and three inch long fingerlings, perfect food for them. When they get to be eight or 10 inches long, they need something larger to continue to grow. And in so many cases, in these bass crowded, predator crowded uh, populations, that that forage is just not available. So bass, I tell folks all the time, you know, they don't really know they're supposed to weigh two pounds at a year old or five pounds when they're two or three years old. They adapt to whatever conditions are present in terms of foraging. They're cold-blooded animals. They're all about being efficient and adapting to their environment. So rather than swimming around all the time looking for something to eat that's not readily available, these cold-blooded animals, these bass will just kind of get dormant they find the coolest quietest water they can Uh, they tuck into some cover and they wait for something to swim right in front of their mouths they're not out there actively looking for food all the time because that's an inefficient that's a waste of energy for them and so uh, two things that are worth noting there one obviously fish that behave that way they don't grow at a very rapid rate because they're not eating very much and so that's kind of the answer to Tim's question. These fish may be three or four or five years of age, uh, but they're just not growing at a rapid rate. So he finds himself catching 10 and 12 and 14-inch bass all the time. He knows good and well there's older fish in the lake. Well, those fish are probably older. They they're are the bigger. older fish, and they just don't realize that's it. Right. That's right. That's right. And the other thing that's, that's worth mentioning here is we, we get a question a lot 
a lot, we get this question a lot, Brian. Well, if my fish are so hungry and there's not enough forage in my lake, then why can't I catch them every time I, I throw something in the water? Seems like in those conditions, you flip a plastic worm in the water, there'll be 12 bass trying to rip it out of your hand. Well, it goes back to the point I was making earlier. When bass are in that condition, when they when there's a, a relative limit to the, the, the relatively limited amount of food, food is not just readily abundant, they, they sort of go into a concert. They, they conserve energy. They quit feeding so much. And so uh, it's, it's a bit counterintuitive. You'd think, well, these fish are hungry. They're not really growing. So anytime I throw a lure or a plastic worm in there, I ought to catch, catch one every cast. But because the fish have sort of changed, their, adapted their behavior to these limited forage conditions, uh, most often these predator crowded, bass crowded lakes, it's actually tougher to catch fish. So it's an interesting point, And I always remind people, these are cold blooded animals. These are not warm blooded animals. They can regulate, you know, they're, they, they slow themselves down kind of like a, a snake, you know, cold-blooded animal. They conserve their energy. When the forage is not readily abundant, they can conserve energy and eat almost nothing for days and weeks on end. Well, they don't Whereas care they, where they, they, they don't care. That, they don't that's care. Not, that's, not in their, that's not their objective to get as big as I can. They're out there taking advantage of food as it's available, and if it's limited, and it costs more energy to go find it than it does to, than the benefit associated with with feeding. Then what are they going to do? Instinctively, they shut it down and they turn into that ambush predator that they really want to be anyway. You know, right. a, a largemouth bass is is really built to be an an ambush lion weight predator, not to chase stuff around. Well, and I kind of put it like this to to people is that. And we've all fished those ponds, right? I mean, most all of us have, have, have fished that pond at one time or another where you're like, you may catch a bunch. You know, I've, I've, I've had lakes where you go out there and catch 40, 50 fish, and, and, and none of them over a pound and a half. They're all the, they all look exactly sure. the same. And, and you're wondering, well, are these just all young fish? Well, and, and, and no, and you just answered that they're not. There's no telling how old those fish are in some of these ponds. And yes, you may have some brim in there. You may have some, but it's not enough. It's not. And when they go to bed, they hatch out. It's like me eating popcorn, watching a movie. I sit there and I ate the whole bowl and then I got nothing left. And that's kind of what, that's kind of what <laughs> I think it. of is like, yeah, when the fish, when those bluegill and brim go on bed, they hatch out. Yes, there's stuff to eat right then, but they eat it all up really quickly. And then the rest they of the do. year, there's nothing to eat. Yeah, and what and what is there to eat is more of the same, but it doesn't benefit them anymore. When a when a bass is two inches long, uh, a little bluegill fry is the perfect food, and there's a lot of it because bluegill are are very fecund. They're very they're very prolific in terms of their reproduction. They spawn every thirty days. They just constantly. Uh, going on bed, spitting out a new crop of fry, and then they repeat and repeat. And they'll do it all summer long. Well, that's great when those bass are uh, one and two and three inches long. I mean, that's what they need to eat. 
that's what's the perfect that's the perfect size prey for them when they get up to four five six eight inches or bigger they need something larger they can't sustain that growth rate eating that little tiny food i it's kind of like put a bowl of rice at the end of the end of your driveway and run down there and eat one grain of rice and then run back up to your house and then run back down to the end of the driveway and eat one piece of rice and you know you just you're losing ground you know you're losing you ground do it. and that's right. the same thing that's what bass do they they swim around they chase bait they chase fry they chase forage and if they're not putting their mouth on something that benefits them beyond the energy it took to catch it uh, they're just going to stop doing it and that's that's essentially what they do and so one of the indicators when we go out and look at these lakes sure you look at the bass you say the bass are there are a lot of 10 12 14 inch bass they're, they're they're skinny looking and and that's one indicator but the the key indicator that we see is there's a ton of for a ton of little fry bluegill fry and there's a bunch of big bluegill hand size you know eight nine ten inch bluegill but what's in between because that's what those 10 12 14 inch bass need where are those three four five inch bluegill that will do them some good and right. the answer is they don't exist because they've been gobbled up like you said that bowl of popcorn it gets eaten up and and they're gone so none of them make it up to that three four five inch uh, size where they can do those bass some good so that's really what sounds like what he's running into you know the remedy to that is to harvest bass and add forage and really both ends of the candle there is how you fix that problem you can't hardly do it with one or the other That's you right. have to harvest bass yeah and then, absolutely. And then you can also add forage yeah well, Tim, we appreciate the uh, the question. It's a great one. It's one that a lot of people probably have. And the first listener question of the day is brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Guys, if you have a pond, if you're managing a pond, if you want to grow big fish or healthier fish or just get your lake in better shape, call Southeastern Pond Management. You can call Norman Latona. He's a co-host on our show. Y'all heard him on here before, and he'll be on here every month. But uh, give him a call at 205-288-1371, or just look him up, southeasternpondmanagement.com, and and give Norman a call. These guys know what they're doing when it comes to managing ponds and lakes. So uh, if that's what you need, reach out to them. All right, well, question number two Norman kind of goes along, and, and you were just starting to hit on that on, on the on this question, the answer to this question right then. But let's go to a question from Alex and Aniston. And Alex's question is how to fix an overstocked pond. Now, I, I, I really don't know if he means an overcrowded pond, or I guess that you can have an overstocked pond. Uh, but I, I'm not sure if he's really referring to overstocked or just overcrowded. But I guess you can. We can kind of go down both roads. Yeah. So more than likely, Alex is referring to something a similar condition to what Tim was referring to. There are certainly cases where you could have overcrowding in the forage population. Okay, and that's a, that's kind of the opposite problem what we just discussed. It's rare, quite honestly, uh, because bass are such efficient predators that they, 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 it would be rare that they would, that the bluegill or other forage would get way out ahead of them 
where they couldn't keep up, you know, because they just are such voracious predators. Typically, where we see something like that, what we call forage crowded, where there's too much food and not enough mouths, not enough predators, uh, usually that would be the result of some sort of a fish kill where a lot of the adult uh, fish perished, uh, maybe an oxygen depletion or some or some toxin that killed a bunch of the, the bigger adult fish, particularly the bass. And as the population recovers, there aren't enough bass to kind of keep up with the forage. And, and we do occasionally run into that. But more than likely what he's referring to and by saying overstocked, is bass crowded same thing tim was talking about and we talked a little bit about how to fix that and it's twofold it's let's bolster the forage let's increase the amount of forage uh and we're going to do that in two ways we're going to uh, decrease the number of predators i.e harvest we're going to remove bass and in some cases 30 40 50 pounds to the acre maybe even more or be nest is, is required to really put a dent in it and make a difference. And then we're going to couple that with adding forage. And we're not going to add uh, fry. We're not going to add stuff that's already relatively abundant. We're going to specifically add that intermediate size forage, that three, four, five inch forage that actually benefits those 10, 12, 14 inch stunted bass. But one doesn't work well without the other. And we spend a lot of time talking to customers about this. Listen, we're in, we're in the business of, of selling fish. Uh, we grow a lot of fish. We sell a lot of fish. And corrective or supplemental stocking of forage is critically important. But in cases like what we're discussing, the harvest side of it is equally as important. And what you have to understand is if we stock forage alone and we don't do anything about the, the overcrowding we're going to be right back in that same boat we're going to benefit those bass that's right we'll we'll benefit those 10 12 14 inch bass a little bit you might even see them get plump for a little while grow just a little bit but it's a losing proposition to put a bunch of forage in there without removing some of the predators and not only is it a losing proposition it's a very costly proposition because uh, these three and four and five inch forage fish are, are expensive you know so ideally we want to do both i say burn the candle at both ends and let's meet in the middle let's crank up the harvest but target the crowded segment of the bass population which is typically in that 10 12 maybe 13 14 inch certainly less 14 inches and down, usually what we say. Let's wallop those guys. Let's take everyone we can. Let's get 40, 50, 60, 75 pounds to the acre sometimes, Brian. Uh, it, it, it's amazing how productive these lakes can be and the surplus that's produced over time in, in the largemouth bass. And then let's couple that with adding some suitable forage. And when we can be effective and hit on both of those pieces, that's where you see dramatic results. Yeah. That's where 12 months later you say, wow, you know, all of a sudden we're catching 15, 16, 17 inch bass that are healthy, that are plump. We may, we may see a slight decrease even in the, in what we call catch per unit of effort, the amount of the number of bass you catch. 
every hour, every every fishing trip. Uh, but typically, that's not even that noticeable. You get back to that that discussion of bioenergetics. You know, bass crowded ponds are actually harder to catch fish out of. So just because you have more bass doesn't mean they're easier to catch necessarily. You know, quite honestly, a well-balanced pond where you got a diverse size range, lots of forage, typically the fishing is better. So you They're in catch, an aggressive mode you know, instead absolutely. of dormant mode. Yeah, that's exactly right. I was going to say, if you think if you had something like Threadfin Shad, which is a great intermediate size forage, they grow very rapidly up to you know, three, four, five inches. They don't get a whole lot bigger than that, so they never really outgrow the bass. You know, once a bluegill gets seven, eight, nine inches long, I mean, that, that joker's predator-proof for the most part. That's right. You know, we've all seen bass swimming around with a 10-inch bluegill lodged sideways in his mouth trying to spit it out, you know, because they bit off more than they could chew, literally. But uh, But for the most part, those giant bluegill are not – targeted prey items there are very few bass that can get their mouth around those jokers so threadfin chat are an excellent intermediate forage they they grow rapidly they get to about four inches five inches you know and that's about where they're going to get and they are very prolific so uh well we and you think about it you know I, i've got a lot of friends that have experienced this in their ponds and you know we all are particular about who we want coming in and how many people we allow to fish our ponds and things like that and that's understandable but i think what the the listeners need to to understand is when you have this overcrowded situation and let's say you need to take 40 pounds per acre a year out of there well if those fish are three quarters of a pound and you got to take 40 out of a five acre lake 40 an acre. I just did the math. That's 266 bass a year that you have to take out. That's not real easy to do with a rod and reel unless you put a lot of time into it or allow more people to fish it. Or even, you know, the best way to do it is, is to call you guys to come out there with the, with the shock, uh, your shock boat yeah, and yeah. remove fish. That's the most efficient way. It's the best way you can weigh them. You can count them. You know exactly what you're taking out. But another good way to do that is just have a small tournament. You know, get your church yeah. or, or your school and, and have a tournament weekend uh, where you just, you know, you're, you're giving first prize, not to the pounds, but how many fish people catch, you know, who catches the most. And there's ways to do that. Uh, but But a lot of times we get caught up in, well, you know, I, I just, I don't want a lot of people out here fishing my pond and, and, and then they catch it. They think in their mind, they're like, well, I'm wanting to throw the young bass back so that they can grow and become big bass. And, and they don't realize they're backing up. Uh, we, we see it a lot and particularly the latter, what you're describing. Yeah. That's a, that's a young fish and it may be a young fish, but the point I tell folks all the time is look, you know, and again, it's it's not like deer management. You know, this is a different animal. You know, that young fish, you've got nothing invested in that fish, even if it is a year old. You know, you got very little invested in that fish, and let's take him out of there before he does more damage. He's in there eating eating forage that otherwise would be left 
for the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. So, you know, hook and line harvest can be effective, certainly in larger bodies that get minimal pressure. Electrofishing is, is a, an extremely effective tool. It also is indiscriminate in terms of the, the fish it pull, we pull out. We don't, we're not, you know, there's a little bit of a concern when you start harvesting, particularly in a larger lake and you're just keeping everything, you're catching, keeping the most aggressive fish, you know, and you kind of hate to do that. Those are the fish that bite artificial lures. Whereas right. when you do it with electrofishing, you, you just catch what you, what comes up. But, but moreover, hook and line harvest can be effective. It just needs to be done consistently. Pretty much, uh, you know, if you, if you got a five acre lake and bigger, there are going to be a very, very few scenarios where I'm going to say throw back fish that are 10 or 12 inches or less. I mean, that fish is going to do you a lot better. It's going, be, it's going to be a lot more beneficial to remove those fish than to, than to toss them back in there. Yeah, and that was uh, kind of my next You are not question. going to overtax. What size, I mean, we, you know, you hear about slot limits and things like that or slot sizes. What are you turning back, if anything, in an overcrowded lake? Well, <clears throat> m- most lakes tend to stunt. The bass tend to stunt or crowd. Like I've said, we, we, we refer to it as 10 to 14 inches. So really anything less than 14 inches, we don't even give a second's thought to re- releasing that fish. When in, in crowded lakes, you, t- you typically don't catch a lot of 15, 16, 17, 18 inch bass. Now you may catch right. a handful of, real, of, of giants, true trophy size, you know, 18, 19, 20 inches or, or above. Obviously, you know, those fish are, are few and far between. Those are good release fish. Initially, when you start your harvest program or, or increase your, your effort, I would be pretty indiscriminate even with 15 and 16 inch fish. You got to get the poundage down out, you know. So, mm-hmm. but ultimately, Brian, I'd like to release those 15 and 16 inch fish. Certainly, those are, are, are more apt to. They've got a greater chance to get into that, move into that quality size, that 16 to 20 inch, we kind of call quality size fish. And, and um, you know, they've you've, you've referred to those small bass. You've got nothing invested in those fish. Well, those 16, 17 inch fish, you, you do have a little bit of, of, of invested in those. They've been, they're probably a little older. They've, they've, they've certainly been eating uh, in the, in the pond for a while. So, you know, I'd like to get to a point where we can release those fish. A lot of times it comes down to, you know, how crowded are we and how effective can we be getting to our quota without taking those fish? You know, if if I can hit my 50 pounds to, to the acre, 40, 50 pounds to the acre without having to take 15 and 16 inch fish, then, uh, that's, then I'm, I'm okay with that. But if we're only getting halfway there and we're turning skinny 15 and 16 inch bass go left and right uh we probably need to pull those too is it reasonable to think that your four five six maybe even seven pound eight pound bass you know like you said they're far and few between in these overcrowded but a lot of times they are there is it reasonable to think that those fish will help you keep your numbers down because they're actually eating the smaller bass that you're trying to 
they're helping you get rid of the, your your overstock fish. Yeah. I mean, is that even reasonable? To yeah. Think? Yeah. Yeah. No, they 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 absolutely do. Uh, particularly in extremely crowded ponds, uh, those larger bass, uh, they probably don't have a lot of a lot of other options. That those bluegill bluegill are are tall. You know, they're they've got those dorsal spines that they flare up. You know, you get a you talk about getting your mouth around a, a nine or ten inch bluegill that you can barely get your hand around. Yeah. That's a yeah. uh, that takes a big fish, a big bass. So, so they probably eat smaller bass as much as they eat bluegill. You know, they sure as heck not swimming around looking for one and two inch bluegill to eat, which is the majority of of the bluegill forage available. So, sure, they they probably help more along those lines. And just as a general rule. You know those those fish that are twenty inches plus eighteen nineteen twenty inches you know those are your trophies those are your fish that that have an opportunity to get up to double digits and beyond and and then so you want to protect those is there a and, and I know we we need to get on to the next question so we don't want to drag it out too much but let's say you've got a, a stunted pond and your fish that you're catching are three quarters to a pound, you know, 10, 12 inch fish and they're five or six years old. And then mm-hmm. you add forage, you remove fish, you get your numbers right. Will those five and six year old fish, even though they were stunted for their first five or six years, once you add the proper forage to it, can those fish still grow to be an eight, nine, ten pound bass? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, they can certainly grow. They can. They can. They will. They will come out of that what we call stunted. It's probably not a good term. Right. You know that more connotes. You know, stunning means it's permanent. Maybe right. But those those older fish, those four, five, six year old fish that have been in those crowded conditions, they will come out of that. If the forage is available, they'll start feeding. They'll start eating. They will grow. But whether they can get to 8, 9, 10 pounds really depends on how long they live. They've lost however many years uh, that they've been stunted. They've lost that growth potential. Right. You know, so they can never get that back. I mean, they ideally, you know, they would have been foraging optimally when they were 2 and 3 and 4. And they would already be halfway there or more to that trophy size so the answer is they absolutely will will start growing and it just depends on how old they are and how long they live that will will determines you know just quite just how big they can get awesome that's good stuff man well uh thanks alex uh we appreciate that question and the second listener question of the day is brought to you by sun south if your to-do list requires work on the land, come see us at SunSouth. We listen to your needs so you get the right equipment and the right implements at a price you can afford. And during our spring sales event, you can save even more on quality John Deere equipment at SunSouth with 0% financing on selected models, like zero-turn mowers and compact utility tractors. For John Deere equipment sales, parts, and service, come see us at SunSouth. Equipment for those that do. Some restrictions may apply. See dealer for details. Expires May 31st, 2021. All right, let's move on to our last question. And this question is going to come from Clay in Moundville. Uh, Clay's question is, he says, I caught a nine-pound bass in my five-acre pond, and I was wondering how old it might be. 
that's, that's a that's tough a, one. That's a great, yeah, that, that's a great, that, that kind of uh, is a, a great lead out to what we just talked about, uh, about, you know, those stunted bass, they come out of it, well, how big can they get? It's virtually impossible to guess without knowing a, a, a lot more detail about the fish population, you know, how old that fish is. I'll say this, bass, age, nutrition, and, and genetics. Okay, just like with with other wildlife. So, you know, obviously you can't grow a nine pound bass in a year. At least nobody's been able to figure that one out yet. So, you know, a nine pound bass is is several years old. But I've seen nine pound bass. I put my hands on nine pound bass, uh, fish that were all over nine pounds. Let's call them, you know, eight and change that were three years going, you know, going into their fourth year of life. You know, it, bass are capable of growing at that rate, wow. three plus pounds a year. But you know, that's optimal foraging. That's that's kind of perfect forage availability. Obviously, great genetics. It's unlikely that that fish is that young. Certainly, that fish could be ten or twelve years old. It's not unusual to see bass grow at about a pound a year in these balanced or even slightly bass crowded lakes. The only way to know for sure, other than knowing exactly when the, fit, the lake was stocked, and you can't age fish, unfortunately, uh, you have to kill them to do it. So we don't do a whole lot of aging of, of big fish like that. We don't want to sacrifice them. There's a, there's a little bone in the inner ear of the fish called an otolith, and that otolith can be dissected and removed, and it's you can grind it down and then it can be put under a dissecting scope and you can actually count growth rings a little similar to the way you count growth rings in a tree you can actually see the growth rings and you can count those and those represent a year of life and so over the years uh there's been quite a bit of research in fisheries r regarding uh, largemouth bass aging growth, and we've we've actually done a fair a, a, a fair amount of it ourselves, particularly with smaller fish that we're going to remove anyway, to to gauge you know how stunted are these fish, how old are these fish, these ten and twelve and fourteen inch bass are they two years old, are they five years old, are they seven years old, and like I said, I've seen I put my hands on nine pound three year old bass that you know, we stock. I've also pulled otoliths and read otoliths out of 14 inch bass that, that indicated they were seven and eight years old. Wow. Getting back to that initial discussion, uh, bass don't really uh, know how big they're supposed to be. Uh, they, they're, they're not necessarily set on, I need to be this much, this big at this, at this age, they, they adapt to whatever conditions are available or, or present. And, and their growth rate is highly dependent on, on the amount of forage. Well, and that um, shows you right so, there how critical it is. If you're wanting to have big fish in your pond, it shows you how critical it is to have your numbers under control and have your forage uh, rates right. It is the most important, single most important management input in terms of harvesting surplus bass. Uh, that there is and you know we talk about how critically important liming is and fertilizing is and 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 those are very important 
but harvest, proper harvest, even just hook and line harvest, something that all these all the folks out there uh, can control to an extent with a with a rod and reel, it gets neglected most often, but it is critically important. And it can be the difference between mediocre fishing. And when I say mediocre fishing, I just mean the, the average size, you know, being those, you know, 12, 14 inch fish to outstanding fishing where, you know, you're catching five plus pound fish every time you go. But it, it and it's something that has to be kept up with. Uh, we, we, we typically look at it on an annualized basis and we say, let's, Let's target 35 pounds to the acre per year. So, you know, if you've got a five-acre lake, we're going to take 175 pounds of fish out per year. But the truth is, you know, just when you get to the end of the year, you've got to start over again. So it never ends. It's, it's something that you just have to stay on top of all the time. And the folks that do it, they'll swear by it. They've seen it work, and it does work. You know, so it's, it's a worthwhile effort. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, Clay, we're not sure how old that fish was, buddy, but congratulations on a nine-pound bass. That's a great, great fish. Yeah, absolutely. no matter how old he is. So, congratulations on There's that. No doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, right. but 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 there could be a whole lot of factors in determining the age of that fish, and you just don't know without more information. But thank you for the question. The third listener question of the day is brought to you by Bucks Island Marina. Bucks Island is a family-owned and operated business since 1948. They have new pontoon boats, bass boats, bow riders, and aluminum boats for sale, and they love trade-ins on boats and motors. They can rig your boat or ship your new motor anywhere in the United States. They provide boat services on all kind of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Bucks. They have factory-trained and certified technicians. So visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside, Alabama, 35907, or give them a call at 256 256- Four four two two five eight eight. Hey Norman, man, I I love this the way we did this today. Uh, it was first of all we we covered a lot in a short period of time, and we covered some of the questions that you probably when your phone rings you probably get a lot of these questions repeatedly of people wanting to know this stuff. And if if somebody is listening today, they want to get more information um maybe they you know to add forage to come in and take some fish out of their lake uh what's the best way for them to reach you norman uh sure so my cell phone number which i'm happy to share is a great way to reach me either by voice call or text message is 205-288-1371 205-288-1371 and they can always uh, reach out through our website which is sepond.com there's some uh, several places where they can uh, ask questions Uh, they can email me directly uh, as well at nlatona l-a-t-o-n-a at sepond.com Good stuff, man. Well, guys, reach out to Norman if y'all have got any more questions or concerns about your pond. And look, like I said, I love this segment. I love the questions. So if you'd like your question to be read on the air with Norman, please email us your question at alabamafreshwater at bestfishingreport.com. 
That's Alabama Freshwater at bestfishingreport.com. Norman, thank you, man. It was a great episode and uh, very informative, and we always look forward to your segments and, and uh, look forward to having you on again soon, brother. Hey, thank you very much, Brian. I always enjoy being on with you. All right, buddy. We'll take care, and we'll talk to you next time. All right, folks, that's going to wrap us up for the week. Please subscribe, rate, and drop us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. If you'd like us to email you the podcast, just text the word fishing to 646-495-9867, and we will email you the show each and every week. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you again next week. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save a bundle online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. If you're fortunate enough to own a lake or a pond, then I know you want to get the most out of it as possible. We all want to manage and grow big deer on our place, so why not grow the biggest, most healthy fish possible as well? Give Norman a call at Southeastern Pond Management at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com. And these guys know how to grow big. And brought to you by Sun South. From outdoor equipment, parts, services, accessories, Sun South has you covered on the best for less. Visit SunSouth or SunSouth.com for quality John Deere equipment. Sun South for those that do. And brought to you by Bucks Island is a family-owned and operated business since 1948. At BucksIslands.com, you can check out the full list of inventory from new and used bass, pontoon, bow rider style boats, new and used motors, as well as kayaks for sale. Give them a call at 256-442-2588. And brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344.